Hello! Hi. <laughs> that wrestling was Laura. I'm sco I was scooting forward. So, we're back in the studio. My allergies are really kicking in, so I've got a good nasal, nasal thing going on. She's inside of her own nose. <laughs> we're, we're here recording from inside... Hillary's sinus passages. Yeah, that's what it's going to feel like, and I'm really sorry. <laughs> it's fine. It's going great. So, Laura, did you know this is our 20th episode? I am well aware of uh, well aware of which episode number it is. And why is that? Because this week we decided to do a flip diddy doo da Ooh. Sounds and exciting. It's so exciting because... I did the research. What? And you will sit. Crazy talk. And say pithy things <laughs> while I read a book report. And every all of our listeners will now know why we don't alternate. Yes. <laughs> because I am not a scholar. And I am not a reactor. <laughs> you are. You're a nuclear nuclear. Yeah. There's no reactor in this nuclear. It's really great. It's going to be so great. Episode 20. Uh, 20. Um, Laura, did you think that we would ever hit the 20th episode no, I when we started we this? I thought we would be dead before now. <laughs> I mean, those trucks are trying to take me out left and right. I mean, it, it could have been lightning. It could have been, oh, it could be. I, I got home from work last night and I was like, I'm either, I've either pulled a muscle or or I have nerve damage or I'm mm -hmm. having a heart attack because my right arm is tingly. And Marty was like, we're not having a heart attack. And I was like, cool. Yeah. I, I don't know if you get this feeling at all, but I often get the feeling that the universe does not want this podcast to exist. And so it's like constantly trying to take me out to just to just stop it. Yeah. So it could be that the universe is trying to give me a heart attack. Yeah. Yeah. Mm hmm. I was going for a week weakest link. I just didn't want. I just don't, and I don't want to go to the. P, I don't want to do the PT because then he makes me do exercises. Oh, disgusting! I know. I'm just. I put a cold compress on it and went to bed at seven. Oh, that sounds amazing. I was supposed to be editing a book and I uh, did it with my eyes closed on in, the couch. In your head. <laughs> in my head, it's done. Um. Let's just jump right into yeah. this. I'm super scared. I'm so excited. I am super scared. I might be having a heart attack. <laughs> okay. Today, instead of talking about a creature and wasting an episode on that. <laughs> I, oh, so all my episodes are wasted. No, 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 no. I didn't want to waste an episode. I, I wanted to do a person <laughs> who influences cryptozoology I didn't want to do an animal because that's the gold. Yeah, it makes sense, too, since you're a, a vegetarian, that you would rather murder a person than an animal. Oh, yeah. and this Butcher this, with their words. Yes. Yes. And this person is dead. So. So let's um, just clear that off the deck right away. Yeah. This person is dead. Yeah. So they can't hear it. 
Yes. And <laughs> uh, so that they don't have to be offended. Yeah. Okay. So the person whom I am speaking of is Bernard Huvelmans, or the father of cryptozoology. Fascinating. Or, as I like to refer to him, Crypto Daddy. <laughs> or Papa Crypto. Yeah. Any pa- of those. I like Papa Crypto. Papa Crypto is pretty good. Um, so, Bernard Huvelmans was born October 10th, 1916, or as they say in Europe, 10 October 1916. <laughs> October is a good month. It is a good month. It's a good month to be born. Uh, and uh, he was a Belgian French scientist. So actually, his name would have been pronounced Bernard Yves <laughs> But we're not going to say that. I'm not going to try and, it. And I wouldn't recommend it. Um, and he is. M- pretty well known as you know obviously papa crypto but his 1958 book on the track of unknown animals uh great title yeah good title was originally published in french in 1955 is regarded as one of the best and most influential cryptozoological works Mm. um he was there was also a biography written about him in 2007, which has an amazing name. It was written by Jean-Jacques Barlois, and the biography is called A Rebel of Science. <laughs> That's so, amazing. Isn't that amazing? Papa Crypto, comma, the rebel, rebel A Rebel of Science. Well, no, it wasn't. That's not the title, but that's what we can call him from now on. So <laughs> we just renamed the book. We just renamed the book. So when you're looking, only look for that. Yes. Papa Crypto. So what started... So Huvelmans grew up and he is always interested in animals and science. He's like collecting bugs outside. Totally. Taking sticks and poking Poking snakes. Poking things with sticks. Yeah. um, A typical boy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Or girl. I poked lots of things with sticks. Yeah. Put them in jars without air holes. Yeah. I mean, that's how you start your collections have i told you about my experience with fish when i was younger i don't know you're not gonna like it so we had a a a cottage on a lake growing up in michigan so we're basically in the wilds and everywhere is in the wild in michigan yes and my one of our favorite pastimes well, was fishing and um, being young and my younger brother and I were real bad at it. So um, in terms of keeping the fish alive. Oh. Um, so it wasn't a real catch and release thing. Um, it was a catch and, you know, run around with the fish on the string. It was trying it was- to put it in a cooler because we were going to keep it forever you're you were like the btk killer of (laughs) Of um, michigan fish um and once they passed um we would or murdered or murdered (laughs) after they died of old age Mm -hmm. in our sand bucket yes um as often happens we would take a twig Oh, God. And gouge out their eyes. Oh, my God. And it would go into the eyeball jar. Nope. 
<laughs> Which we would then chase people around with. Um, sounds like the early days of any number of serial killers. Mm-hmm. That's fucked up. Yeah, I, I hit a fork in a road in my teens, and I. You took the road more traveled, and I'm yeah, and I think you're better all the for it. Yeah. So when you're looking at me, just just remember that side still exists, deep down somewhere. The eyeball. I they weren't alive, so it wasn't like I was torturing animals mm-hmm. knowingly. No. Maybe it was for science. I guess it was. I needed to see. Let's get it. Eyeballs. Oh my god. <laughs> but continue. Okay. And I'll try not to I feel like you. it's a very witchy thing to do to have a jar full of eyeballs. Yeah. Eye of bluegill. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, so what um, made Hoovelman's kind, like, what inspired him uh, to really get into cryptozoology, which wasn't a thing yet, um, was uh, an article that he read in the in a January 1948 Saturday Evening Post article, which you are not going to like the title of, uh, the title of the article was called "There Could Be Dinosaurs." Fuck no. Uh, and it was written by a biologist named Ivan T. Sanderson. See, what? me and Ivan, we know that they're still out there. They're just, yeah, they're lurking and waiting to murder. Yeah. Uh, that's what he says. Yeah. He says the it, the article discussed ele- evidence for relic dinosaurs. Nope. Um, and so Hoovelman said, you know, we if we're going to be looking for these animals that are we think maybe out there, it needs to be done in a scientific way, a systematic way. Uh, and so he started translating scientific works and um republishing them and doing you know like doing this like seven volume encyclopedia of the animal kingdom and uh gathering materials about yet to be discovered animals (laughs) um and he started collecting information in his dossiers (laughs) so he seems like he'd be great to have a drink with except that he's dead Drink from beyond. Okay, the drink from beyond the grave. <laughs> um, like shots, I think would be good. Yeah. Uh, so he, you know, he was collecting information from scientific sources, from literary sources, and kind of trying to put them all together, and mm-hmm. then he would put them in these dossiers, much like how we do our research here. I think all of our I, our many the volumes. One, the one time that I did the research. <laughs> Um, so within five years, he had amassed so much material that he was able to turn into a book. Uh, and the book in English is called, is the, on the track of the unknown animals. Mm -hmm. So, um, and it's more than 1 million copies sold. Um, and it traces the origins of the discipline of cryptozoology mm-hmm. to Anthony Cornelius Udimont mm. um, and his 1892 study, The Great Sea Serpent, Ugh. which we have talked about yeah. sea serpents up the Many. butt around here. It's Sea Serpent City. It is. It is. Uh, and, you know, Hoovelman's really was all about, like, investigating these these animals 
um, with scientific rigor. Mm-hmm. Um, and like us. Oh my god. Yeah. Super. Exactly. I like feel what like we, we should have like science lab coats <laughs> all the time. Um, he was also, you know, coming back to this like idea of like like literary things to influence the scientific stuff. Um, he stressed that attention should be given to local, local, urban, and folk folkloric sources. <laughs> Floki laurels. <laughs> Um, which is also interesting because like if we think about all of the animals that you've done mm-hmm. and it's a lot of these urban legends kind of mixed in. So that was sort of his idea of, of, of mixing those things together and that, um, that sometimes the, a lot of the information is like fantastical or unlikely, um, Folk tales often start off as uh, with a grain of truth, mm-hmm. a tiny mustard seed of truth, and and some important information that can lead to further discovery. Like a piece of sand in an oyster will turn into a pearl. A pearl. A pearl of wisdom, if you will. Um, I will. Will you? <laughs> I will. Wonderful. Butternut fudge. <laughs> Butternut pearls of fudge. Um, So, phantom cats. Uh, Obviously, I got excited when I saw the word phantom cats uh, while doing my research. Um, Are a common subject of cryptozoological interest. Mm -hmm. Um, Mostly because they are more likely to exist than, say... I'm just pulling this out of nowhere, but like a Pegasus, like a winged horse. Like you're like, oh, a weird cat that could be real, but like a horse. Cats with are wings. real weird and aloof. They are aloof. They are aloof as fuck. Um, so in his, Sorry. You know, <laughs> do you need to blow it? No. Uh, allergy. Do you need a neti pot? I, I need a new out. nose. Your nose is fine. No, it's horrible. Ugh, I just can't move. Go. Keep don't going. look at. Don't me. look at me. I'm idiot. <laughs> um. Okay. Uh. So, Hoovelman's. What you know? He demanded to be taken seriously. Yeah. As and, I do. Yes, as I do as well. I actually don't demand it at all. <laughs> I think that's probably not good for my life. Uh, anyway, but Papa Crypto had his own shit. Um, and he would often criticize researchers who dismissed these folklore and urban legend things. Those and wangs. yeah, yeah, they were kind of like you know he was like, you know, information is power, and let's become the most powerful people that we can. And because of his idea of taking urban folklore and like local information Mm -hmm. it led to the identification of the african forest elephant as a new species and the latin name is are you ready yes loxodonta cyclotis Uh, that sounds like something that you can catch yeah it does in In a net or i was thinking in your genitals Also, sometimes involves a net. Look at listen to all the listen to all this wow. research. Wow, the research it's everywhere. Like pages with words ri- written on them. 
so anyway, what what book was I talking about? Oh yes, the on the track of the unknown animals. Uh, so a, a critic remarked uh. at the time, because his research is based on rigorous dedication to scientific method and scholarship, and his solid background in zoology. Hoovelman's findings are respected throughout the scientific community. So if that was a critic. Who definitely wore a monocle. It's probably not yeah. too bad, right? Yeah. Uh, so he was making it. Working it? He was working it. He was making a name for himself. And uh, he began a correspondence um as his library and dossiers and research oh, continues. I love it. I bet he had many leather-bound oh, volumes. I bet he did. Do you think it smelled of rich mahogany? I think he probably had <laughs> one of those um, ladders oh, yeah. on wheels. Yeah. And like a really dope magnifying glass. That's the dream, right? You want to so magnify lucky. tiny t- like typography. <laughs> okay. Uh, 1953, take us back to 1953, uh, a Tibetan Lama called Chimed Rigdzin Dorji Lopu, mm-hmm. uh, he announced to no one in particular that he had personally examined the mummified bodies of not one, but two dose or dose. Yetis. Did you mean like a Dalai Lama? Well, do I need to explain? Um, when I heard Lama, I, and I don't know if it's just because I'm really tired and ill, I was like, oh my God, he found a talking Lama. <laughs> yeah, so it's Lama with one L, not two L's. God damn it. So the Lama in. In Tibetan uh, Buddhism, is like a priest or a wizard. Not fuzzy. Not doesn't spit. Well, they're usually bald, actually. Yeah. Uh, and they, do, I mean, they probably do spit, but not in the way that you're thinking of, oh, like God. Tina, eat your ham llama. <laughs> but that's a, a llama with two L's. Uh, this is a llama with one L. Okay. And the Dalai Lama, he is. The reincarnation of Avilokiteshvara, the uh, Bodhisattva of compassion. So he's like the highest Lama. In some people's opinions, in my opinion, he's pretty ill himself. <laughs> Full circle. Full circle. Uh, so anyway, Chimed, if I'm going to call him that, uh, found one of the mummified bodies mm. in a monastery at Riwochi. In the Tibetan province of Kham. Uh, the other was in a monastery at Sakya in southern Tibet. Mm-hmm. And uh, according to Huvelman's account, this lama's... I know what you're thinking. <laughs> ...had a very interesting claim. The lama said, Lama Chimed Rijsen Dorji Lopu. They were enormous monkeys about... 2.4 meters, that's 7.8 um, feet. I looked it up. Yeah. Good Hi. conversion. Yeah, thanks. Because I was like, I don't know. They had thick, 
flat skulls, and their bodies were covered with dark brown hair about three to five centimeters long. That's three to five centimeters. <laughs> I don't know what that is in inches. Because inches are stupid. Uh, yeah, it's true. I prefer the metric system. Yeah. Because then you don't have to deal with fractions. Yeah. I- I'm done with it. Five-eighths? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Okay. Uh, also, their tails were extremely short. So Hoovelmans was all over that. He was like, damn. Look at those short tails. Yeah. Well, he didn't actually see them. He just had the report of it. 1953. So, fun. <laughs> uh, okay. So, Hoovelmans' second book has a great title. Yes. Papa Crypto wrote, In the Wake of Sea Serpents. Whoa. Yeah. It's nice. He would love our podcast. He totally which is would. Only sea serpents. I mean, who doesn't love a sea serpent? I'm going to put like a saddle on one and ride around. Yeah. The water is just so mysterious. I mean, um, so that came, that was translated into English in 1968. Okay. Still not born. No, still not born. But think about where the country was in that time. Or like dropping acid, beetles, lots of uh, hippies running around, shit. Gotta love a hippie. I do. Uh, he documented over 600 claimed sightings. About 10% of those he dismissed as hoaxes. Ugh. Uh, but tentatively classified sea, sea serpents into no less than nine well-defined types. Nice. And was widely hailed within the cryptozoological community as the miles as a milestone encrypted research. Um, so this was like these these nine well defined types yep. were like they were like oh good someone finally <laughs> someone put, gave me categories yeah, to put these into. I need categories and um, because we like to categorize things. Yes, we do. Um, he argued that the most common types of sightings were best explained by mammalian creatures, uh, contrary to the popular sea serpent label, mm-hmm. and suggested fully aquatic pinnipeds, primitive cetaceans, or sirenians as the most likely candidates. Seems logical. Seems logical. As he continued his researches, he saw the need to quote, give a name to the totally new discipline in zoology, my research implied. That is how I coined the word cryptozoology, the science of hidden animals, end quote. Nice. That's why he's Papa. Yeah. Papa cryptid. Papa cryptid. In the course of letter writing, he invented the word cryptozoology, and that word saw print for the first time in 1959 when French wildlife official Lucien Blancou <laughs> dedicated a book to the master of cryptozoology. It's another title. Master. High Grand Wizard. I of think of the song Master of Puppets from Metallica, but I still like Papa Crypto best. Yeah. All right. Um, and we all know it's what we think that matters the most i mean we're the only ones here yeah so mosby's upstairs yeah. he has no say oh he kissed me on the mouth oh he did he's very handsome he's handsome 
Uh, patterned after cryptozoology, the term cryptid was coined in 1983 by cryptozoologist J.E. Wall in the September edition of the International Society of Cryptozoology newsletter. I like that you keep saying coined. You like coins. <laughs> it's true. According to Wall, quote, it has been suggested that new terms be coined to replace... I see what you did there. Yeah. Replace... This is a quote, so I can't... <laughs> I see what he did there. Yeah. He knew I would be hearing this in the future. I'm going to start the quote over again. And I'm going to interrupt it again. Okay. <laughs> and it's, quote, it has been suggested that new terms be coined to replace sensational <laughs> and often misleading terms like monster. Ugh. My suggestion is cryptid, meaning a living thing having the quality of being hidden or unknown, end quote. I love it. Loving you. It's great. The Oxford English Dictionary, which of course is the dictionary that they use in Oxford, England. I thought it was used by oxes. Oh. Well, I didn't look further into that, so I can't <laughs> confirm or deny it. It defines the noun cryptid as, quote, an animal whose existence or survival to the present day is disrupted or unsubstantiated. Any animal of interest to a cryptozoologist. Nice. So we are cryptozoologists. Yeah. For we and, find them fascinating. And I find Mosby fascinating. Does that mean Mosby's a cryptid? No. <laughs> well, that's disappointing. He's well, handsome. fuck you. <laughs> no, he's handsome and that's. But I, this, I think, is even more evidence that we should have lab coats. Yeah. With our names monogrammed on them. Yeah. And also, I, because I want to look like a scientist. Some beakers. We could get some beakers. Yeah. Fill them with some fluids. Yeah. 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 A test tube. Oh, my God. We are scientists. Why don't we have any test tubes? I don't know. What do scientists use to write with? A pencil? I don't know. Yeah. Think about that. A quill. Oh, my God. Yeah. Take that. We don't have test tubes because Nick won't buy them for us. It's the worst. (laughs) The story of Huvel... Now, Huvelman Bernard, he is probably fairly well known in regards to the Minnesota Iceman. Oh, Now, okay. that's not a person that's made... Well, it's not a person that delivers ice from house to house. <laughs> but it's... I know. I know. I, the name is misleading. My... I mean, my intuition is just failing me today. Llamas. Ice I mean, delivery. <laughs> right. Coinage. So, in 1968, um, I just burped. <laughs> That's okay. I'm, like, dying here. Well, you look great. Thanks. Um, Hovelman, in 1968, uh, was heard... So, so Hovelman and Ivan Sanderson, who I mentioned earlier, who was Scottish, by the way, so he was clearly smart. And attractive. He was probably wearing a kilt the whole time. Heard from a correspondent about the frozen corpse 
of an extremely hairy man-like creature mm. being exhibited in uh, the Midwest. So they were like, let's go out there. It's where all the amazing things are found. Uh, the, it's true. The, in Midwest. the Midwest. Um so they they went to Minnesota, and uh, they came face to face with a hominid, not of our species, embedded what? in a block of ice. Was it Nick? I've seen a picture of it. It's definitely not Nick. <laughs> and an inquiry into the origin of this specimen triggers a bizarre adventure involving... The FBI. As you do. The Smithsonian <gasps> Institution. I hear those people are awesome. They are science people. Yeah, they deserve lab coats. They deserve lab coats. The Mafia. The Vietnam War. <laughs> as, a per- as an entity. Drug smuggling. <laughs> Hollywood. And a secretive millionaire. Bum, bum, bum. Daddy Warbucks. Giving much of the account the flavor of a riveting detective story. What happened is told in meticulous detail by Hoovelmans, who draws a startling conclusion as to the Iceman's nature based on a comparison of its anatomy with that of a modern of modern humans and fossil ancestors. I am startled. Do are you? I am the most startled. It's startling. It's startling. <laughs> Hoovelman's thought... Oh, wait. <laughs> Hoovelman's helped spread the controversy like whipped butter <laughs> when he examined the Iceman and then in the possession of a road-traveling circus exhibitor. So this surface circus exhibitor had the Iceman. Oh, of and course he Hovelman did. looked at it, but he was never able to look at it without it being in this like block of ice, which was yeah. in like this refrigerator, clear refrigerated unit. But anyway, uh, and I've seen pictures of it. And it's weird. It looks like like a dude frozen in, in an ice cube. Hovelman's <laughs> um, thought the creature would could be genuine and mm-hmm. published a formal description naming it as the new species Homo pongodes. That's as you do. Definitely how it's pronounced. Yeah, 100%. There was n- I'm definitely I know that pronunciation alone earns us lab coats. A lab coat and a pencil. There was never Conclusive evidence given to either substantiate or discredit the Minnesota Iceman, and the idea that it represents a new species of living hominid has never been accepted by mainstream zoologists. So they can suck it. <laughs> In 1975, Hoovelmans established the Center for Cryptozoology in the south of France, where his library is housed. But in the 1990s, moved to Le Vicinet, closer to Paris. We should go there right now. Well, hold on to your butts. What? In 1982. I have multiple butts. Apparently. In 1982, he helped to fi- found the International Society of Cryptozoology and served as its first president in 
Washington, D.C. What? Two, zero, zero, one, two. I don't know if that's the actual zip code, but that is a zip code in Washington, (laughs) D.C. We can confirm that it is, in fact, a zip code. A zip code in Washington, D.C. Even I can, we can be that specific. The International Society of Cryptozoology ended its activities in 1998 due to some financial problems, though a website continued until 2005. I was going to say, if this is still going on, we're waiting for invites. Yeah. It's not. We'll they don't waiting. even have a website anymore. God damn it. But they're so, so cheap. I know. I know. If well, we could afford a website. I mean... According to the journal Cryptozoology, the International Society of Cryptozoology served as, quote, a focal point for the investigation, analysis, publication, and discussion of all matters related to animals of unexpected form or size or unexpected occurrence in time or space. Fucking boom. Yeah. Uh, And of course, I know what you're thinking. We should start. Yeah. That thing up again. And then I thought, oh, but shouldn't it be the guy who runs the Cryptozoology Museum, who also was on the board there, um, somebody who has more authority than us. <laughs> who has more authority than us? Our authority was bestowed it's, by ourselves. It's boundless. Yeah. But we don't have coats. Yeah. Not yet. Uh, he was also the first president of the Center for... Fortean zoology. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about what Fortean is uh, in a very basic term. It is the forum for the discre- discussion of observation and ideas, however absurd or unpopular, and maintains a position of benevolent skepticism towards both the orthodox and the unorthodox. They tow no party line. Dispassionate, weird watching, exploring the wild frontiers between the known and unknown. Yeah. That's great. That is a quote from the Fortean Times ah. that's published every four weeks in the UK, and I think I should get a subscription Oh, yeah, it. 100%. Because these people sound like... Uh, our cup of tea. And I want to support those people. Yeah. They're weird watching. Yeah. I hope they're watching us right now. Yeah, probably. And I hope they can see that we need coats. Yeah. And pencils. In 1999, uh, Hoovelman donated over 50,000 documents, photos, and specimens to the Museum of Zoology in Lausanne, Switzerland. Hmm. Probably a lot of his dossiers as yeah. well. Probably some jars of fish eyeballs. We should go there, too. Yes. Um, At some point in Hoovelman's life, he eventually converted to Buddhism. (laughs) All of that talking to talking llamas. Yeah, he was like, I want to be a talking llama. Yeah. Buddha. And in... uh, You're ahead of the game, man. I know. Everyone can suck it. I know what I'm talking about. Uh, At the age of 84... On August 22nd, 2001, Hoovelmans died. Oh. But he lived a long, amazing life. Full of weird Full of things. weird, amazing things. He kept it weird. He kept it weird, people. And I recommend you do the same. So yeah. that is it. The 
end. Yay! Laura, that was amazing. <coughs> so is that. I did research. You did excellent research. Thanks. I used the internet. It's hard sometimes. <laughs> oh, no. Sorry. I use that. I, I would have to t- cut that out. I take that as a no. I take that as applause. My is, sneeze. Is it going to happen again? I don't think so. Cool. Not in the next five minutes. So anyway, uh, you know, I I think Bernard Papa, <coughs> well, let's just call him by his name, which is Papa, Papa Crypto, Crypto. Uh, was, you know, Amazing. I don't know if he died in poverty or what his deal was, but like he did, he was trying to give a voice to those who didn't have a voice. Yeah. I can appreciate that. Yeah. Well, that was excellent. Thanks. I did what I could. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Okay, great. And now I know how to say his name. Bernard Uvermel. Which I don't want to foreshadow, but I'll probably be, probably be butchering in a future episode. <laughs> yeah. So. Okay. Thank you. You're that welcome. Was awesome. Right. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us. I'm today. glad I get to go back to to not doing that. Laura will go back to her silence until our next milestone. Silence of the lambs. But we won't tell you when that is. No. It's a secret. <laughs> well, thanks for hanging out with us today. And if you like what we're doing... Please rate and review us and follow us on Twitter at M-A-M-Unicorns. We have a fun time. It's a good time. It is good times. And thanks for hanging out and keep it weird, people. <laughs>